Well, good morning uh, from the Caris Center. Good morning from me, specially dressed. Don't fear, I haven't come direct from Hatfield Forest, but um, I did actually, you'd be glad to know that I, I spent some time yesterday evening washing the mud off the boots. That was Hatfield Forest mud. Um, so nobody's going to have to come in and clean up after me this morning. But um, all, will, all will become clear in, in due course. There, there is a reason as to why I've come in my outdoor gear. So here we are. Um, I bet you're all wondering, what is he up to? What is he doing? Just, just bear with me. It, it'll, be, it'll be okay. Um, we're working our way through this series in Ephesians called uh, Sit, Walk, Stand. We're going through Ephesians and towards maturity. Um, hope you've been enjoying it. I have got so much, personally, I've, I've got so much out of this series as we've worked our way through it. We have completed the sit section. We are currently sort of in the middle of the walk section and we are looking towards the stand section. But I guess the thing I want to kick off by saying this morning is that for all of us, the temptation I think as, as Christians is to get into the walking out of the Christian life, into doing the do, into uh, you know being active for God, uh, saying the right thing, doing the right thing, going to the right places, all the kind of stuff that is active, we can rush to get into that and very quickly leave behind the first part, the sitting, uh, which is all about our position in Christ, the things that, that he has done for us. This is the first three chapters of Ephesians. And actually, I just want to encourage us that at all times in the Christian life, it's, it's so vital that we keep coming back to this seated in Christ position. That we keep coming back again and again, reminding ourselves that I walk my Christian life because first of all, I am seated with Christ, he says, I am seated with him in heavenly places. I'm going to position myself, center myself there. And from that place, with confidence, I will get up and I will begin to walk out my Christian life. Again, we can find ourselves in situations where we, in our hearts, we want to confront and stand against the works of the enemy. And yet, if we try to do that, and we'll get to that in a couple of weeks' time, if we try to do that without that internal confidence and assurance that we are his, that he is ours, that he holds us, that he surrounds us, that it is his authority that we live in, then we can find ourselves living in anxiety and fear and, and living out this life in a in a way which actually does not display him at his glorious best. It can often display us at our less than glorious worst. So again and again, we come back to, I'm seated in Christ. I am resting in him. And from there, every other part of the Christian life makes sense and we can walk it out with confidence. So today we are in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 to 32, I've entitled it, Well-Dressed. You can see I am very well-dressed this morning. I'm getting really quite warm in here this morning with the, uh, with the, the stage lights and bits and pieces on me. Um, just a question for yourselves to consider. Are you well-dressed? Are you as well-dressed as I am today? Have you got everything that you need 
to walk out the, the Christian life. Well, these verses, I must admit, when I first saw them, I thought, ah, oh, okay, got to preach on this today. Right, what are we going to do? Because these verses, uh, chapter 4, 17 to 32, you can read them and they can come across almost like a list of do's and don'ts. It can, it can be a little bit like, here's the rules. Here's a moral code. And so without reading the whole, um, the whole passage in its fullness, let's just skim through and look at why it is that we could look at this passage and see it as a moral code. It tells us, verse 19, avoid greed, sensuality, impurity, don't lie, verse 25, don't lose your temper, in verse 26, don't steal, verse 28, work hard so that you can be generous. Again, in verse 28, avoid bad language, 29. Look to always be building others up. Avoid bitterness, envy, anger, and slander, verse 31. Be kind, tenderhearted, and forgiving, in verse 32. So, you can grab this passage and you can read it, stand alone, and think, okay, here's a long moral code of what God wants me to do. But if you were with us last Sunday online and you heard Steph Liston speak to us from the first part of Ephesians chapter 4, one of the things he said, which I thought was so helpful, is that when we read um, any New Testament letter, if you read one chapter, it's not going to give you the full picture. And this uh, this is certainly the case here when we get to chapter 4, verses 17 to 32. It's not meant to stand by itself. It is part of Paul's developed argument that he started way back in chapter 1, verse 1. And he has been building this picture for us to help us to be seated in Christ, to then live out our identity in him and to stand against the, uh, the wiles of the evil one. And we, are, we pick up this little bit in the middle but it's part of a much bigger picture, which we've got to be able to get hold of in order to make sense of it. So the key part, the key couple of verses that I want us to focus on, and these are the verses that you're going to be focusing on in your discussion groups a bit later on, are verses 22 to 24. Here they are in the New Living Translation. It says, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Now, I've highlighted these, these two words here, throw off and put on. Because in the, uh, the Greek language of the New Testament, these words are the exact words that you use when it comes to either taking off clothes or putting on clothes. It is literally disrobe yourself or clothe yourself with these different things. And so it's come that time where I, thankfully, I'm getting really hot here. Uh, it's time for me to take off, to throw off this outer layer of you know, what I go walking the dog in and to be a little bit more appropriate for where I am with you this morning. So let's hope that I'm not gonna pull my microphone off while I do this, but um, let's uh, just get sorted out so that it actually makes much more sense, okay? There we are. That's appropriate, isn't it? 
That's, that's just right, I think, for this morning here at the Caris Center. No, I can see a few bemused faces here on the screen um, looking at me like, Gareth, you really have lost it this morning. Uh, my family uh, say to me, uh, I, in fact, my family don't often say to me that I have a great deal of fashion sense. I once said to, uh, to them, I have the spirit of fashion, and their response was, yes, that spirit needs to be cast out. Um, <laughs> but uh, here we are in my uh, suit jacket this morning, a delightful red tie on top of a shirt that doesn't really go with it. There's just something wrong with this picture. And, you know, when it comes to living out the Christian life, the invitation of chapter 4, verses 17 to 32, is actually all about ensuring that the way we live, it's an invitation or an instruction to us to ensure that the way we live our day-to-day life makes sense in terms of who Jesus says we are. And the reality for myself, I know for many, many years, and indeed it's still a regular point of, of, of question and struggle in my own life, is Am I actually living before people in a way that makes sense with the confession that I am in Christ, that I love Jesus, that I am his follower, his disciple? And I think this is the challenge. This is what is at heart. I'm not going to change my wellies. I haven't actually got another pair of shoes up here on the stage with me today, but we'll just have to to live with those. The rest of it sort of is a bit more me. But this is the challenge, verses 17 to 32. Um, We want our external life, the way that we live, to make sense, to be... Uh, to be portraying Christ in all of his glory in the way that we live, not just with the words that we say or the, the creed that we hold to. How do I walk? How do I walk out this life? I want for myself, and I believe that the instruction of this passage for all of us, is that we will live a lifestyle that is consistent with where we are seated. And where are we seated? We are seated in Christ. This is the the early message of Ephesians chapters 1 and 2 and 3. Where am I? I am in Christ. He has placed me through salvation. He has placed me into himself. Similarly, the the metaphor turns a little bit and it goes, the spirit of the living God has taken up residence within me. So I am within him. He is within me. There is this unity for the believer that I am in him. There is no separation. And as we look at ourselves, sometimes, you know, sometimes these passages of scripture come along and we read them and we go, that's not a very comfortable one. But we've got to let them, we've got to let these slightly uncomfortable passages just speak to us occasionally. Is my lifestyle consistent with where I am seated in Christ, in his holiness, in his purity, in his absolute glory? Or is there compromise? Are there things about the way that I live, the thought patterns that are in my head, the words that I speak, 
that are just not consistent with the nature of Jesus Christ. And I want to hold up both hands and go, most of the time, there is inconsistency. Most of the time, there, is, there, there are uh, aspects of the way in which I live, and I'm sure the ways in which you guys live as well, that just don't reflect his beauty, his perfection. You know, I've, I find this every time I come to worship, I think it's one of the glorious things that worship does for us. As we declare with our mouths in worship who he is, that there is no one like you, there is none beside you. We, we recognize again, Jesus, you're not like me, or I'm not like you. I want to be like you. I want the way that I live to reflect you in your perfection, in your holiness. It's not a, it's not a, a, a you should. It's a, this is who you are. This is who Christ has made you. So now you are free to be holy. You are free to be pure. You are free to reflect his glory. He has absolutely recreated you. You are a brand new creation designed and destined to reflect everything about his nature. The second part in in terms of how we walk is a lifestyle that is consistent with our royal identity. We have been made children of the king, sons and daughters of the living God. There is royal blood that flows through our veins. He has given us this new identity. We were once dead. We are now alive. We were once lost in sin. We are now children of righteousness. He has transferred us out of darkness and into light. He has done this glorious thing for us. Now, are we going to live that way? Are we going to live like children of the king? Is nobility going to be obvious in the way in which we conduct ourselves? Those of you who've been watching the news in the last week, even it was just last Sunday evening, we saw the young couple in our royal, royal family, although they say they don't want to be that anymore. We saw Harry and Meghan and we saw them speaking out about all the difficulties and struggles and horrible stuff that they had experienced as being part of the royal family. Now, I don't want to put judgment on their words and on the things that they have said, but in my heart, as I saw that breaking on the news over this last week, what grieved me a bit is that it didn't come across very noble. Their speaking out, their communication of their family stuff to the whole world didn't really smack of nobility and honor and the things that reflect the king and his kingdom. And for us, we have this opportunity every day to live noble lives that attract people around us to say, wow, There's something special about you. There's something different about you. But for many of us, and myself included, that nobility is often lacking in the ways in which I interact with people around me. A a sharp word here or there. It can be as simple as that. It can be other things like walking through life full of anxiety and fear. That's not something that you associate with a noble child of the king but we can walk with confidence. We can walk with dignity. We can walk knowing that we have power and authority. We can walk with with that head held high and yet without pride, we can walk with confidence into whatever it is that God has called us to do. 
as you go to work, as you go to the school gate, as you live um, in proximity with your neighbors and friends. We get to live a lifestyle that is consistent with being children of the king. And then thirdly and finally, we get to live a lifestyle that is consistent with our apostolic mission. Steph touched on this last week. The gifts that God has given, the gifts that Jesus has given to his church is the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, the teacher. We are called to be an apostolic, prophetic, evangelistic, pastoral, and teacheric doesn't really work. Uh, people, we are, we are called to be a people who bring the glory of heaven into the environments in which we go. And is it that way? Again, when I read this passage, when I read it this week, it calls me just to ask a question of myself. Am I reflecting heaven into earth? Or am I so bound up with the details and the, the issues of this earth that heaven is out of my viewpoint. The very last thing I want for any of us this morning as you're hearing these words is to be looking at your, at your own life and feeling full of condemnation. Romans 8.28 says so clearly, there is no condemnation. There is no condemnation. I think the danger is that if we read these verses by themselves, we could get to that place. We could get to that point of going, oh, this is just a condemning passage. No, it's not. Because it does not sit alone. It started way back at the start of, uh, of Ephesians 1. Here is the, the uh, couple of verses from earlier in Paul's letter. Ephesians chapter 1, 1 verse 5. This is where he started and this is where all of this starts. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. It is because he did that that we get to live like this. Ephesians 2 verses 8 and 9, by grace you have been saved through faith. It is the gift of God. It's not a result of works. And so the, you see the problem is we can get to the end of a passage like this one in Ephesians chapter 4 with all of its instruction. And if we read it as instruction alone, we can walk away with a sense of you really should do better. But when we read it in the context of the whole letter, we see that it is because God himself has reached down graciously and laid hold of us and drawn us into his family, adopted us, put his spirit within us, poured his grace upon us again and again and again. And he says, you don't actually, you don't have to perform your way into my good books. You are in my good books because I have done everything necessary for you. Therefore, because I have transformed you, you get to live a life that is consistent. You get to clothe yourselves with attitudes and behaviors that are consistent with my divine nature because I have placed my nature inside you. So this is our invitation in terms of how we walk. And when we sense that we have fallen, the natural reaction for most of us myself so often included, would be to try to work my way back out of it. We walk our Christian lives, we fall over, we pick ourselves up and go, oh, you should know better by now. You should do better than that. And we beat ourselves up and we say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sort this one out. And we work our way back or we try to work our way back. But actually, 
the right thing to do in any of those moments where you sense that tension, where you sense that, that anxiety, is to step back into, hang on a minute, who am I? Who has God said I am? It's in those moments that we have to sit back down into our identity, into our position in Jesus Christ. This morning, just as I was finally putting the, the finishing touches to this little message today, I remembered these words from such a well-known worship song. The song is called Before the Throne of God Above. This is verse two. And it just came to me with, with that kind of fresh sense. It says, when Satan tempts me to despair and he will teach you, he, sorry, he will tempt you to despair every time you get it wrong, every time you fail to meet one of those uh, conditions, one of, the, one of those instructions on that list from earlier on. He will tempt you to despair. He will tell you of the guilt that is within you. But in those moments, do not try to sort it out yourself. The answer is, Upward I look and I see him there who made an end to all my sin. This is the message of Easter. We're heading there in a couple of weeks' time. Because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul, all of the stuff that I have done wrong and get wrong, all of that I am counted free because God the just is satisfied. He's satisfied to look at Jesus and to pardon me to pardon you. If you sense any hint of guilt, condemnation this morning, know this, that God himself sees you, but he looks at the perfection of Jesus and he says, I am going to clothe this individual in the, per in the perfection of my son so that nothing stands in the way of my love impacting this one again today. His love for you is so profound. His commitment to you knows no limit. And his invitation to you is walk with me. Put your hand in my hand. Let me show you how. Let me be the one whose power flows into you so that you get to display my glory in the way that you live just want to pray for us and then I'll hand back to the team here. Jesus, Heavenly Father, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful, Lord, that I do not have to do this in my own strength. I'm so grateful that you do not require me to perform in order to be acceptable to you. I bless you, God, that you have done everything for me, that I can come with boldness and with confidence not only into your sanctuary when I come to worship, but Lord, I can walk with you with that same confidence every day in the office environment, in my home environment, wherever you place me. Lord, you are my righteousness. You are the answer to every longing of my heart, every shortfall that I have. Lord, you are the perfect answer. And Jesus, I I just pray today that for every one of us who's watching this, who is seeking to live out this Christian life, that Lord, you will draw us close, that you'll remind us that you have enveloped us and clothed us with yourself. And therefore, Lord God, in every moment, we are well-dressed. We are well-equipped for everything that you call us to be. 
In Jesus' name, amen.